Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak, the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I really just appreciate you taking the time to be here and give it a listen, so thank you. Uh, If you have not already, please go ahead, give the podcast a follow on Spotify, and do the same if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. And you could also check out the YouTube channel, ScreenSpeak, and subscribe to that for short clips, as well as checking out the Instagram page for ScreenSpeak, uh, in which I occasionally will post, uh, you know, just content related to the episodes or kind of things that are upcoming for the podcast and that kind of thing. So definitely go ahead and check that out. So, <clears throat> Interstellar. I don't know why I had to say it. <laughs> why I had to say it like that, but Interstellar is the movie that I'm going to be talking about on today's on today's episode. And let me get a little little background on Interstellar, and then I'll I'll just dive in. Uh, let's see. So Interstellar came out in November of 2014, and it's from director Christopher Nolan. Stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, and My Cocaine. <laughs> uh, also known as Michael Caine, and it is a amazing, epic space opera of a or space opera. I don't think I could call it a space opera because I think technically speaking, uh, Star Wars is considered that. But it is an epic space film or an epic science fiction space movie, and it is really one of my favorites. I think it's. Um, <clears throat> If I'm thinking of science fiction films that I've seen like in the last 10 years that have any level of impact, Interstellar, I think, certainly ranks up amongst them. Uh, and it's for a couple of reasons. I think one is just from a theatrical experience. It's one of the more memorable ones I've shared. Um, so I'll tell the story on that. So I, I saw Interstellar when it came out in November of 2014, and, and it was with my little brother uh, at the time. And... He, he likes movies, but it's not like the, on the same level as me, and so we don't really get to go to movies together, I guess, as often as I would prefer. Um, but he had an interest in seeing it. I really wanted to see it, and so we went and saw it, and I just remember... I just remember like the awe-inspiring sense of of the movie um, because it is so epic in its scope and it's exploring some really heavy themes and ideas and and especially towards the third act of the movie it's it's really uh, exploring difficult concepts that your average moviegoer and including myself at the time I remember I was like I was not following it all the way but. I knew that I was so immersed and engaged with what I was seeing that even with some of the confusion I had, especially towards the third act, I was still just very engaged and hooked into what I was seeing. And it's and it's a movie that re, uh, that merits repeat viewings so that you can kind of pick up on on some of the the technical aspects of it that you maybe had missed out the first uh, couple viewings. And anywho, point being is that when we got out of the movie. Uh, we, we just really had a good conversation about it, I remember, and, and I hadn't really engaged with with him, my, my little brother, on that level, I guess, before, like, talking about, like, what the movie meant and, and things like that, and I really, I really enjoyed that a movie like Interstellar brought about that type of conversation and, um, and just a, you know, a back and forth on on space, uh, space and time, you know, time travel or sorry, not time travel. Um, <clears throat> the relationship of time, is it relativity? I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> uh, 
but anywho, it was just a very memorable, uh, memorable theatrical experience, and and I really am glad I got to share that with my brother. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I will also say, as as far as theatrical experiences go, Interstellar is case in point for why theaters, movie theaters, need to stay alive and why they need to you know, show a movie like Interstellar in all its glory and the biggest screen possible with the largest sound possible and the biggest audience possible. Because, <clears throat> if you think about it, if you were to watch a movie like Interstellar, like let's say, I don't know, you watched it on your laptop, on your phone, or even if you had a good home theater setup, now, Grant, you know, if you have a good home theater setup, a good basement, you know, maybe you're watching it with a couple of, you know, good friends, some family, I'm sure the impact would still be good and, like, you'd still be really into it, but there is something special about actually being in a movie theater with uh, a bunch of strangers and a, and a large group of people, hopefully large. Um, these days, COVID makes everything strange with the restrictions and how much theaters are allowed to have, but, you know, before, you could obviously have very large uh, groups that would watch these movies. And... You know, there is just something special, like when the lights go down and you're 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 experiencing this this film and this epic scope of a movie uh, together. I don't know. I mean, movies like Interstellar were born for the movie theater, and I think they are an excellent example of why movie theaters still still have their merits and still have their place. Um, but anywho, that, that's a that's a different that's a different conversation for a, a different episode. We're 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 talking about Interstellar. Or I'm talking about Interstellar. Um, so let me let me actually uh, give an overview of the story. Then I wanna I wanna keep going. So I'm actually holding the the physical 4K copy of the movie right now, um, which I also I don't know. I'm talking out loud, of course, but. Interstellar is actually one of the few movies that I own two copies of, because uh, I actually own a, a steelbook for it as well, because I got it when it came out uh, on Blu-ray, and then uh, it's definitely one of those movies where if there is a better resolution for it, I want to have it, and I will just do a quick plug, I promise I am going to keep going <laughs> and, and stay focused on, on the rest of the episode, but I got to do a quick plug for this. If you have a 4K player and you are looking for you know, really, really great collection of movies to own that are really going to get the most out of the, the 4K resolution and experience, Interstellar is an absolute must-own for it. It looks phenomenal on 4K, and believe me, there is a difference between the Blu-ray and the 4K copy of it. I don't have time to share all the details on here, but I promise you, there is a difference, and it's major. So, <clears throat> I'm going to read the synopsis here, just right off the back. So it says, from director Christopher Nolan, Inception, the Dark Knight Trilogy, comes the story of a team of pioneers undertaking the most important mission in human history. Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey stars as ex-pilot turned farmer Koopa, uh, who must leave his family and a foundering Earth behind to lead an expedition traveling beyond this galaxy to discover whether mankind has a future among the stars. And that's the first of likely several bad Matthew McConaughey impressions. Uh, it also stars Academy Award winner Anne Hathaway and Academy Award nominee Jessica Chastain uh, and Lou Lem Lemon Lemonick. I don't know if I'm saying your name right, Lou. 
of the New York Post calls Interstellar one of the most exhilarating film experiences so far this century. Bold claim there, Lou. Um, I'm 30, and so if I'm not mistaken, a century is 100 years. Can I say that? Uh, I don't know, but in the last 10, hell yeah, I can say it. Interstellar is amazing, and it is definitely one of the best theatrical experiences I've I've seen for, for some time. Um, but anywho, I've talked about how the movie's awe-inspiring. I talked about some of the epic filmmaking. Or, no, I haven't talked about some of the filmmaking on it. Um, another reason I do appreciate Interstellar, uh, if I am talking from a filmmaking perspective, is its use of miniatures. Um, <clears throat> now, I grant you, I'm not an expert on how that works, but I've seen enough behind the scenes to know that miniatures uh, in movies, like, you know, in a movie like Star Wars 2001, um, I'm sure I could cite off other movies, but those are the ones that comes to mind. They are, a, it's an interesting way to essentially have like a very detailed model and, and you know, put it in a, in a stage or a setting where it looks larger than life and, and you're able to, you know, shoot it practically rather than do it with a, a CGI set or, you know, software, etc. And uh, I'm very happy to see that Chris, that Chris Nolan was able to utilize a lot of miniatures, um, especially for the spaceships and, and some of the, I don't know if he did it for the, like some of the black hole sequences, but there is an excellent use of miniatures in the movie. And a lot of the movies also shot on IMAX, uh, which really lends itself perfectly for a movie like this. If you're trying to, um, if you are trying to visually show, scope awe majesty and you know just the the universe and everything like that you want it to be as big and grandiose as possible so IMAX certainly does a, a does an amazing job for that for the cameras um and yeah it's just it's it's a great 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 epic movie one of the best sci-fi movies i've seen in a while but another thing i think actually that separates interstellar is you know, sorry, separates it from other science fiction movies is the emotional experience that the characters go through. Uh, in particular, I would say Matthew McConaughey's character Cooper, and and then his daughter Murph, Murph, Murph. Don't leave me here, Murph. Oh my gosh, oh Murph, Murph, Murph. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I I promise I haven't lost my mind just yet. But if you've seen the movie, uh. There's actually somebody out there that's done a Murph counter. That's his daughter's name in the movie, Matthew McConaughey, and they say Murph in it a lot. So it's kind of a kind of a joke, but it's also, I guess I'm, you know, I'm talking about the the emotional experience while also making fun of it just a <laughs> just a little bit. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyways, let, let's keep going. So on <laughs> to go back to being serious, the. The emotional experience, though, that the characters do have it is, uh, it's very compelling. And I mean, Matthew McConaughey, I think he gives a definitely an Oscar-worthy performance. Uh, in particular, I think the scene that stands out for me the most in terms of, you know, really just going through a full range of emotions without with with very little cuts, is the scene where they return from one of the planets that they're exploring for potentially habitable life. And they come back, and because time works differently out in the, the galaxy or wherever they are at, um, time moves extremely uh, 
slowly or yeah time moves slowly for them but back on earth it's it's going at normal space uh normal pace so it's like they're gone for like i don't know an hour or two hours maybe three and then i think it's like seven years or more passes on earth hang on so it's like seven years or more passes on earth and then uh, there's been a bunch of video messages that were left from from Murph, uh, played by Jessica Chastain, and, and McConaughey sits and and watches, essentially like twenty some years worth of of messages played right from the beginning. And I don't know. You you see a father that he's happy to like get to see his child grow, even if it's over video. But then you can tell that he is like absolutely destroyed and distraught over him not being there for his kid and being an absent father, even though he's out there to, you know, to try to save humanity. Um, but it's extremely, it's an extremely emotionally effective scene. And I think it encapsulates a lot of the emotional through lines of the movie being that love uh, can transcend time and, and space and that, you know, their connection, him and Murph, really is at the heart of the movie, um, a father and a daughter. And I, I really thought that that actually worked quite well for the movie. Now, <clears throat> on the subject of love, because this is one of the common critiques, I think, that have come up in Interstellar is... I, I don't recall at what point in the movie, but Anne Hathaway, she has a, a monologue that love can transcend time and space and that it's not quantifiable and that it's like the answer to everything or something like that. And I remember at the time, like even when I was listening to that in the theater, I was just like, Oh no, like, here we go. Uh, you know, this some long diatribe on love. And you know, this was, it was kind of taking me out of the movie, but then I don't know, after repeat viewings, I still like what it does end up doing with love in the wrong in in the long run, um, especially towards the, the third act, which I really don't want to spoil all of the movie in case somebody that's listening hasn't seen it. Um, but yeah, I guess it's interesting what they try to do with love. Even though I wasn't totally buying it, it's it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so I want to talk about space travel uh, because at the core of the movie, it is you know about a group of people that are leaving the planet to try to save it by, by having us... Uh, you know, be populated in another planet, in another universe, or to try to, you know, get more resources off of another planet. And, <clears throat> I don't know, just thinking out loud, um, thinking on the subject of space travel, are we destined to go? Um, I would certainly hope so. Uh, is it going to happen in my lifetime? I am thinking probably no. Um, just because I don't know, it's been my it's been my experience so far that in my thirty years of being alive, uh, things move slower than what I think we would like them to, and especially when it comes to all the science and math and and physics and everything that go behind space travel and the cost and there's just all these different factors that are just very complex and and time consuming and require so much uh, so much resource and time. I mean, I would, I would love to say that we're going to be able to, you know, be like in a total recall setting, you know, minus the mine wipes and, <laughs> and all that. But I just mean like we could colonize Mars and uh, actually have like colonies on different planets. That'd be amazing. But I really don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. But that said, I think it is meant to happen in the long run. 
um, <clears throat> just because I don't know. Uh, they they touch on it in the movie, but you know we really should not lose that sense of of pioneerism that that hum that humanity was you know really you know it's part part of who we are. I think Matthew McConaughey at one point he has like he's like sitting outside his house in the movie. He's just like we're not we're not meant to be caretakers. We're meant to meant to explore the stars. All right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think we're meant to... We are meant to leave. I I think there's a lot of reasons to do it because there is so much about the universe that we don't know. And aliens... I mean, come on. Aliens. If nothing else, let's find the aliens because I think they're out there. I don't think they want to visit Earth um, for many reasons. <laughs> but, uh, and it, I'm, well, actually, I take that back because there's all those actually now documented unclassified things on UFOs. And I think UFOs are definitely real. So, okay, I guess the aliens are visiting, but I definitely don't think they really want to actually make their presence super known um, and actually help us for a number of reasons. I don't know if we, I don't know if we deserve the aliens help for some, some of those things, assuming that these aliens that are visiting are good. Uh, Anyways, where, what, where am I going with this? (laughs) Um, yeah, so back to space travel. Are we are we destined to go? Uh, yeah, we're destined to go. Let's find the aliens. Let's colonize. Uh, I'll be honest right now. If I had the opportunity to go to space, I would definitely be doing it. It's it's not even a question. I would I would go. Um, does it mean that it's like a one way ticket? I, I would certainly hope not because I would like to be able to come back. But yeah, if I had the opportunity to go to space right now today. Um, yeah, I guess beat me up, Scotty, because I'm going. Um, <clears throat> now, another thing I want to talk about with Interstellar is some more of the, the spiritual side of the movie, I guess. Uh, because, and and maybe, maybe I'm reaching here a little bit, but I think that Interstellar actually has an interesting, an interesting idea when it comes to having faith in, in something uh, that's, that's beyond yourself. Because, I mean, if you think about like what the what the mission is, I mean, they are doing something quite literally to save the entire human race and, and species, and you know all the math and and all the you know the planning and prep that the people in the movie do before to go on this mission, they are still taking a leap of faith. And I don't know, I I think it's it's interesting to think about because it shows you how powerful your your faith. If you have any faith, can be in in, in a setting, um, you know, like I guess in this movie, outer space, or how much it would actually play into your decision making. Because um, <clears throat> one one scene in particular where I think that that question really becomes interesting is, uh, and I guess this ties back into the love thing. But there's a scene where they have to make the crew, space crew. They have to make a decision of which planet to to drop in on and and investigate to see if it's a habitable world. But they only have so much time before they have to get back to Earth. And uh, I think it's Anne Hathaway's character wants to go to um, one specific planet because there is a slim chance that uh, an astronaut that she was in love with uh, is there. Uh, and possibly still alive and you know she wants to be reunited with him because she loves him and she's you know it's love and 
you know, they openly discuss how it's like you're you're just wanting to go there because you have a, a bias, you know, a personal bias. But then she tries to uh, incorporate how, you know, she she has faith. She she's choosing to believe in something beyond herself. And how do you how do you, I guess, like separate the two in your decision making between having a bias and, and, and not. Um, but anyways, it, it's it's very interesting. And. <clears throat> It also makes me think too that I guess in regard to you know spiritual side or faith or <clears throat> dare I say God and, and religion and things like that, I always wonder actually where religion and faith and some of those things do play into to space travel and, and these larger ideas. So my rambling here is going to make sense. Um, for instance, Let's say I'm thinking about aliens, and let's say that they live in, I don't know, another dimension that we have to go through a, a black hole to get there, or something along those lines. Now, it sounds awesome to me. Sounds really great. <clears throat> Wish it was real. It could be real. Who knows? But, I guess on faith, I mean, <clears throat> it's not like anything's written in the Bible about about that, or really even the possibility of that, unless there is some passage about, you know, the possibility of aliens and space travel in there. Maybe there is, I'm not sure, but I think a lot of people have a hard time using their faith and things like that to to reach to a, a place of understanding with possibility for aliens and, and space, you know, space travel and interstellar dimensions and all this kind of crazy space talk. Um, I don't know if people can really find a way to a happy medium to have them go together. And, and the big question is, you know, for those that do believe in God and and things like that, you know, would God have created aliens and not told mankind about it? I mean, think about that. It's, it's a strange concept to think about, but I don't know. I, I think about it. I do. I mean, the universe is a huge place. It's an absolutely ginormous, big place, and it would really be sad to me if we, humanity, humans, were the only thing that was in it of any that had intelligence, because of course someone could always say, like, well, there is probably life out there in, like, I don't know, some planet thousands of miles or billions of miles away has, like, fungus growing on it that technically constitutes life. That's, that's not what I'm talking about, you know? I'm not saying it has to be you know, big green men and a, you know, flying saucer, but come on. I mean, we live in a ginormous, ginormous space. I mean, like we can't even fully comprehend how much is actually out there, even with the, all the great scientists and, and uh, technology that we have today. I just, I really hope that it's not just us out there. And I guess I would have faith. Let's tie it back to faith. I have faith that if there is aliens and an intelligent life out there that God would have a rhyme and, and reason for, for having that be there. And, you know, maybe we're not meant to know about it, or maybe they are meant to be separate and, and be in separate realities. I don't know. I realized that the last, I don't know, however long I've been talking about this, like my, my head is even like, Whoa, like you're, you're going into some big stuff here, but uh, you know, that's what happens when you talk about interstellar. Your mind, your mind goes to a lot of different places. But 
hopefully, hopefully some of that made sense. I am not really sure, but we're, we're going to, we're going to keep plowing ahead. Um, so I also want to talk about the, the subject of time, um, in, 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 uh, in specifics, that's not it specifically, uh, the subject of relativity, which I did do a Google search prior to hit recording on this because this is really where my, my intelligence level with these things are, are going to show. Um, <clears throat> so relativity says it's the dependence of various physical phenomena on relative motion of the observer and the observed objects, especially regarding the nature and behavior of light, space, time, and gravity. Um, well, I am not qualified to, to talk. <laughs> I, I mean, I may not be qualified to talk about relativity, but I'm going to try to, I'm going to try my best to give my thoughts on it because one of the, <clears throat> one of the big themes that Interstellar goes over is how time works. And especially when you are in like the far, far outer reaches of space, time moves at a different pace. And so, as I mentioned, I think earlier on in the episode, um, people like on earth, they are aging differently than people out in space, people in space, they can age slower if they're like super far away. So it's my understand. it's, it's to my understanding that the concepts with time in this are actually fairly accurate, um, from, from so just some of the research I've done, but it does make me think, uh, would there would there be an advantage to to going out into space and and aging differently? Because I I don't know because <clears throat> I guess I'm thinking about it. If I am in a a different galaxy and I age, let's say I don't know, like ten times slower than what I would on Earth, um, does that mean that I'm gonna live longer? I I don't think so. I mean, I think I, you know, because I'm still human, I mean, if I live to be 100 out in space, you know, I would probably still live to be 100 on Earth, but I don't, my, okay, you know what, Jordan, you, may, you might want to skip the subject of relativity because you're not doing yourself or your audience any favors by uh, just bumbling along through it and <laughs> not knowing how to articulate it because I'm not a physicist. I'm not a scientist. Uh, so, okay. Good goodness, uh, people! People forgive me. Um, Interstellar is maybe an episode I I should have done a little bit more research on prior to hitting record. But hey, it's all right. I I wanna wanna get it out to the. I wanna get the content out there. So so we're gonna we're gonna keep going. Um, wow. I think that is. That subject of relativity, I just completely botched. And I, anyways, the more I talk about it, the worse it gets. <laughs> okay, I'll keep going. Um, I do want to think, okay, I can talk about this part. Time. Not relativity, not about scientist stuff. Uh, but can time heal all? That is something I think is an interesting thing to explore in this movie. Because... I don't know. I realize that's not what one of the questions that this movie is asking, that if enough time goes by, is the human race going to survive? It's like, no, because the you know all they're eating is corn, and that's going to run out, and they're going to die, suffocate from dust. So I don't think time's going to solve that. But I thought of the issue, 
or the question of can time heal all things just because the movie's exploring um, time and how it works and, you know, uh, relative to humans and emotions and all, all that great heavy stuff. But for myself, if I ask, if I ask myself the question, can time heal all, um, to an extent, that, that would be my answer, but it's really subjective, and I think it really is dependent on the situation and, and what is trying to be healed. In particular, to, to people, I mean, I'm not trying to get really dark on this podcast, but let's say I lost a family member, like they were, you know, killed or um, from some horrible accident or some someone that's taken too soon. I'll just leave it at that without, you know, trying to disturb people. Um, you know, if someone's taken too soon and I'm really close with them, I think the effects, like, I can't imagine it myself because that's one of those things I, I think unless an experience like that happens to you and you, you are personally touched by it, there is no way that you can even possibly contend and comprehend with what that would do. But if I think about that, I think if enough time went by, uh, you know, you would eventually learn to live with it. I think that's that's more how a situation like that would work. It wouldn't, you know, make you feel better about it. Um, you would, I think, get better. Um, you'd be able to function at least a little bit better over time. But I do think there are certain things that time's not going to heal, but it may help you mend the womb. Uh, but you still carry that womb with you um, for the rest of your days. And I don't know. I... I, th- I just think that's that's very it's a very interesting thing to think about not just in terms of you know just simply asking the question of can, if enough time goes by is it going to take care of yourself but I think it's also interesting to to think about how long people carry around weight that that's more interesting than me I think than the question of just time is that people hold on to things I think just by nature, we hold on to a lot of different things and for better or worse, we do it. I, I, again, this is a very subjective subject because just everybody has their different set of, uh, you know, experiences and, and, and knowledge and, you know, all, all these different things, but I don't know. I think, I think for myself, like I try to not carry around too much like baggage and weight that's going to damage my future. Um, I, I do try to be mindful of that, but I also have to contend with that. Some of this stuff is out of my control. Um, because if, if I was in a situation where if I lost somebody that was close to me unexpectedly, how I, I have no control over that. Um, so I, I don't know if I would be able to, uh, walk away from, you know, take the, take the emotional side from that and be able to leave it and and move on. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't have an answer for that. I just wanted to pose, pose the question, pose the thought and geez, interstellar. Who who, who knew you were going to bring that question out of me? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, just think about that. Can, can time heal all things? And what would it do to you if you needed time to get over something? I don't know. Think think about that. <laughs> think about that over the weekend as you try to enjoy yourself while also having all this like I don't know existential dread. Is that I I don't know. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, I do have to. You know, I'm going to talk about Matthew McConaughey just for a little bit. Um, Matthew McConaughey. 
uh, all right, all right, all right. I, I think he's amazing. Um, I, I really do think he is an amazing actor, and especially around the time of 2014, I, I actually want to say it was... Hang on here. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to take a sip of water. Um, I think it was around the time of 2014, or maybe a few years earlier, 2011, 2012, is when the Maconnaissance, I, I think as some people in the entertainment industry started to nickname it, the Maconnaissance was happening, or the you know the renaissance of Matthew McConaughey um, having a career high and resurgence as, a, as an actor, because he was... He was, you know, casting a lot of uh, string of rom coms for a long time, and some of them, some of them aren't bad. But I don't think he was ever getting roles like he, like the one here in Interstellar for a long time in his career. And and I think it was the Lincoln Lawyer actually, and I think it was t- uh, 2011 that started to change people's perception of him, where they're like, oh wow, like he's actually, he's actually a really good actor that that has a lot of range and, and can do a lot of different things besides just being the the pretty boy love interest in the movie um <clears throat> but he's just so good in this movie and he's such a likable guy um i would i would love to be able to meet him in real life and, and talk with him uh I'll, sh- I'll share a quick matthew mcconaughey story and then i'll, I'll keep going but <clears throat> uh he recently mcconaughey he released a uh a memoir that he wrote called green lights and I've actually read it. It's a it's a really it's a really cool book. And y- y- it's funny, like when you read it, because Matthew McConaughey is such a distinct voice and personality. If you follow him on like I don't know his, any of his social media or interviews or anything that he does, he has a very very unique personality. And so when you read the book, you're you're like reading it in his voice. And it, if if you know who he is, you'll you'll understand what I mean by that. But <clears throat> When, when his book came out, I actually pre-ordered it, and I got an autographed copy of the book from him, um, which is really, really cool. And then I participated uh, in, a, in a virtual Zoom um, like book club Q&A that he did with uh, Richard Linklater, I believe, the, his, his director of, of Days and Confused, which was his first like big break, his first movie. Um, and that was, that was such a cool experience. I mean, albeit virtual, it would have been great to attend something like that in person, but it was just a really cool experience and, and hearing him and, and how he approaches, uh, his roles and just his life and writing and creative process and everything like that. He's just a really cool dude. And I, and I guess this is an endorsement for green lights. Um, you should definitely check that out. I think you can get it on Amazon and <clears throat> actually another I don't know why. Why am I plugging Matthew McConaughey's book and, and things? I'm not getting paid for this, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I think it's later this year in uh, November. He's actually releasing sort of a a follow up to Green Lights, where it's a it's called like Green Lights the Journal, uh, because in the book Green Lights the memoir, he's referring to a lot of moments in his life where. He had red lights, and then he was able to give himself green lights through through travel, through um, just hard work, and, and all these different things. And and there is sort of a, a an aspect of him exploring himself through journaling, because uh, that's how he wrote the book. Is is I think he he kept journals, or he he would write journals for uh, I don't know like thirty years or something. He would consistently journal things and jot things down, and so he took a lot of that and put it into a book. So it's kind of a neat idea that he he revisited that concept and actually made 
essentially a journal companion to go along with the book that has prompts that he uh, writes in specific spots to help you journal. So if that makes any sense, it just means that he's releasing a journal that you can actually write in um, around November that has themes and ideas from green lights, but it also has prompts and specific direction for what he wants you to write or like what he wants you to explore in the book. And anyways, it's, it's very neat. And so, and I think it's like, I don't know, like 10, $15 when it comes out, it's not very expensive. So when it does come out, I, I, I know I'm going to get it. So I'm, I'm just mentioning that to you. I think you should get it. <clears throat> Anywho, let's tie this, tie this back into interstellar. <laughs> This, this episode has gone in a lot of different directions, hasn't it? But hey, I, I appreciate you sticking around this long for this one. I, I promise. Uh, other other episodes in the future are going to be um, not so not so jumbled. I don't know. Why am I shooting myself in the foot? Why, why are you doing that? Why are you apologizing? Don't apologize. Just just keep going. Ugh. God. Um, <clears throat> so the music, I do have to touch on that. The music from Hans Zimmer is legendary in this movie. The The score, uh, which I, I really wish I could articulate music and, and composition better, because I, I love uh, movie scores and I love composed music, and I can rattle off a lot of different composers and their works and things like that, but I don't actually know a lot about the, the technical process of how they actually develop the sounds and the composition of it all, but... I. You know, maybe I'll study that over the course of this podcast, and I'll be able to actually deliver better uh, articulation on the subject. But <clears throat> Hans Zimmer, uh, I I think the music for this was nominated for an Oscar, but I don't think it won. I I don't know what how any other movie would have beat the score for this because <clears throat> I think the thing that makes it special is its use of organs, like like church. You know, most people would associate with like church organs, but the use of organ, uh, uh, org, oh my gosh, why can't I say organs? Is that, I'm, I'm thinking like human organs and not like the, the music organs. Oh my gosh. Um, you know what I'm talking about in church? You know, the, that's my really bad. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I can't, I can't don't ever do a music impression again, Jordan. Oh, holy crap. Um, but anyway, what I'm trying to say about his music is that in the movie, it really is giving the sense, this very large, grandiose sense of awe and, and exploration. And and because of it, of it using the, the organs, it's, it's uh, well, it, it feels like it does tie it back into like religion and faith in a, uh, in a way because the movie... They are leaving behind what they know to go into something that they don't know. And there's a lot of faith that you would have to have to to trust that you're going to find an answer. And so the music, I feel like, encapsulates that those themes and ideas so, so well. And it's so epic. Like, it sounds incredible. I've listened to the score several times. It's it's in my Spotify. I, I actually have a playlist of, of all the um, my favorite compositions from movies. And so I listen to it often. Uh, in particular, if you are a music nerd with this stuff, listen to the track Dust and Detach. I think both those... Oh, oh and uh, I think it's called Mountain. Is it Mountain? I don't, I don't know. Look up look up the score for Interstellar and listen to it. It's it's seriously amazing. It's a, it's very, uh, very, very incredible music. Gosh, as best as I can say that. But 
Yeah, I absolutely love the, the music of Interstellar. It's absolutely worth a listen. And the 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 last thing I'll say because I, I need to start actually <laughs> I need to start wrapping this episode up um, is talking about my favorite scene. I think my favorite scene from Interstellar it, it's got to be the docking scene. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Where I, I don't want to spoil too much, but a bad thing happens to the the crew's main spaceship, and it is spinning around wildly. And McConaughey and Anne Hathaway they have to get to the ship and somehow manage to dock with it, which at the moment seems like an impossible task. But they forgot that Matthew McConaughey is one of the most amazing dudes in the universe. <laughs> and and so he's like, I, they're, I'm going to try to set up the scene for you. So they are a good distance from the ship and they see this incident that happened and they see the likelihood of them being able to dock with it. But Matthew McConaughey, he's Cooper, he, he's, he's eyeballing it hard and he's looking and he starts doing stuff behind the controls on the ship and Anne Hathaway is like, oh, like, what, what are you doing, Cooper? What are you doing? And he's and and McConaughey just determined as ever. He's just like ducking. And then Hans Zimmer's score just elevates the entire scene, and it's this great, great moment. There's there's no words, but you see the ship, and you see them trying to dock with it, and the space and scope, and and just everything about that scene is just freaking mind blowing and jaw dropping. Like I watch that scene to the, still to this day, and I get goosebumps from the, um, just the the stakes of the scene are really felt there, like the emotional stakes, because like there is a lot at stake if they don't get it right. So you really feel the sense of danger for the characters, um, but then just the way it's presented and and everything, it, it is an incredible scene. Like I, I I'm getting like goosebumps just thinking about it, and it is just incredibly badass. I just want to point that out that. Uh, Cooper, the character, he is the greatest pilot apparently in the universe to pull off the maneuver that he does because that's the other thing. Like you see what he is able to do and you're like, holy crap, that is, that is quite a feat to be able to do. And I think in, I mean, I know me, I'm no pilot, but if I was in that situation and Anne Hathaway is like, what are you doing? I don't think I'd be saying docking. I think I'd be saying dying because, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to dock with that ship. Nope. It's uh, not happening. We're going to probably suffocate out here in the vacuum of space. Uh, so, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, now the very last thing, yeah, the very last thing I want to talk about is the ending. Um... The ending of this movie is also, well, it's a trip to say the least. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that if you watch it for the first time or fifth time, it is a lot to wrap your your head around. So here we go. Um, well, Matthew McConaughey, he, him in a space, he's in a spaceship and he drops into a black hole, and eventually he goes through very, very, very similarly to his 2001: A Space Odyssey. He goes through some strange visual color wheel thing. I, wow. I really need to articulate myself better on this one. Um, but he goes, he goes through some very strange visual, visual tunnel. Let's call it, let's, let's call it that. Okay. Without sounding too dumb. Uh, he goes through this visual tunnel. Um, and then eventually he actually ejects himself from his spaceship 
and is falling. He keeps falling, 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 falling. And then he ends up in like a fifth dimension bookshelf or something. And in a way he's able to, to like, it's, it's, it's kind of like time travel. Cause like, he's able to like look in on himself. Like when he was with his daughter back on earth, cause they have like this whole pl- plot in the background where there's like a ghost and they can't figure out what it is, but it turns out he's the ghost. And, Oh yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a very, very complex scene. And I just realized that I, I almost think I'm going to have to revisit interstellar honestly, and be a bit more well-researched on it because there's just a lot to unpack, especially with this end scene. Uh, but I will just say that they explore the concept of different dimensions. I'll, I'll say that because if I try to expand on it much more, my brain may melt out of my ears and I, we, this, this episode will never get released because I'll be found on the floor and they'll be like, what happened? Be like he tried to talk about interstellar without doing too much research. And, and that's what happened. His, his brain exploded. <laughs> um, but on the subject of other dimensions, I think, I think it's, I mean, it's plausible in my mind. I don't know. I can't even pretend to comprehend how it would work, but it's interesting to think about, right? Thinking about that there could be other life forms or other versions of yourself in, in different, in different dimensions and, in like different, uh, timelines and things like that. <sighs> I, I don't know. I'm, tr- I'm really, really reaching to try to figure out how to articulate it better on this episode. I, I don't know. It's an interesting concept to think about. I, I feel like I keep saying that for a lot of things on this episode. I'm just like, you know, that's really interesting to think about because I am not quite sure how to articulate it better. But, well, watch Interstellar and th- and think and watch the bookshelf scene or the magical floating fifth dimension bookshelf scene or however the hell you want to call that. You watch that and and think about it and maybe talk about it with your your friends or whoever you're watching it with and see if you're able to have some interesting thoughts on it like I'm having or am trying to have without my brain bursting. <laughs> Anywho, I am going to tell you this right now. I think Interstellar, I'm going to have to do another episode on this in the future just because this, out of the movies I've talked about thus far, this is definitely one of the more complex movies. Uh, so I'm probably not doing it justice, and I think I'm shooting myself in the foot by saying that out loud a couple of times, but I I think this one will merit revisiting in the episode, unless, of course, you get to the point to this point in the podcast, you're like, you know what? I really enjoyed Jordan bumbling through talking about Interstellar and really showcasing that he does not know a heck of a lot about physics, interdimensional travel, and things like that. But hey, I mean, maybe maybe this was entertaining. It could be. I don't know, but I'll repeat myself for like the fifth freaking time. I will revisit Interstellar in another episode and maybe talk about it. If I can get my, my little brother on and actually talk about it with him, perhaps that would be better. Cause I mean, he is an, uh, he actually is a, a software engineer. I, I believe that's his title. So he's a lot smarter than me. So he could probably articulate this stuff a bit better than me. Um, so that I'm not trying to carry the weight of the universe on my shoulders while talking about interstellar goodness okay well (laughs) um that's gonna be the episode for today so i 
really appreciate you sticking around. I, I, I don't even know if you stuck around for this. Would I have stuck around to the end of this? I don't know. Not really sure. But there's some entertaining nuggets in this, I think. So I really appreciate you listening to the episode. Um, just as a reminder, ScreenSpeak has new episodes every Sunday and every Friday. Um, so definitely, definitely come back. Check it out. Follow. Uh, share the podcast with your friends. And that that's all I really got. Hopefully you have a good weekend. And yeah, that's it. Take care of yourselves, everybody. I'll see you. Bye-bye.